the most important thing you do to protect your heart is to bless, mm -hmm. not just to forgive. Because people will say, Jimmy, I've forgiven them a thousand times, nothing changes. It won't tell you blessing. Mm -hmm. Because the blessing, the blessing forces forgiveness from your head to your heart. And if you can't bless them, you haven't forgiven them. Welcome to the Built for War podcast. I'm Jimmy Evans. I'm so glad that you've joined me today. On this podcast, we're talking about leadership, church leadership, kingdom leadership, real issues that we all deal with. Now, today we're talking about betrayal. And this is something that everyone can relate to. If you can't relate to it yet, you're going to relate to it someday. I can promise you that if you're in leadership. And, you know, Jesus was betrayed. You know, Jesus was unbelievably betrayed. It ultimately cost him his life, and so we we get betrayed by people in relationship. It could be a you know someone being unfaithful in marriage. It could be a friend. It could be an elder. It could be a staff person. It could be whoever it is. But the way that we deal with betrayal will define our lives and our ministry. And I'm joined today by Pastor Jimmy Witcher, who's the senior pastor of Trinity Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas. This is the church that I used to pastor, and he's now the pastor in the church. Is thriving. Pastor Lee Cummings is a senior pastor of Radiant Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is another thriving church. And we've all we've all dealt with people for many, many years. Um, and in dealing with people, it's uh, it's risky. And you, you can <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> you can minimize the risk, but you can't eliminate it. That's right. And uh, I, I one time I was betrayed by you know a group of people you know over a period of time. And I told the Lord one day, I, I literally said this, I said, no more Mr. Nice Guy, no one's ever doing this to me again. And the Lord said that I won't use you anymore. Right. Because mm. they're, they're, you want to be <clears throat> wise as a serpent, but, but even if you're wise, you're still going to experience people. Mm -hmm. And people are unpredictable. You, know, you yeah. can trust God, but with people, there, there are levels of trust that we have with people, but some of the worst betrayal and the pain from betrayal is because we put so much trust in mm -hmm. into certain people. So what do you what do you think about this issue, Jimmy? Is this something you've dealt with? Since you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know very well the answer to that question. <laughs> I just want to hear you say it. <laughs> well, I, I think we all deal with this. I mean, every every uh, certainly every pastor has to deal with this, and and of course I know that some of Lee's story as well. We we all deal yeah. with the issue of betrayal. So it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when and and a matter of how. How do we deal with it? How do yeah. we process it? And I, you know, and we, we can get some stories maybe in a little bit, but I, one of the things that's always encouraged me is Jesus on the night that he's getting ready to go to the cross, you know, and he's at the yeah. last supper and he turns to Judas and goes, go do what you got to do. You know, he, he, even with Judas in the room, he says, I've been dying to have this meal with you guys. You know, yeah. I've been, I've been, that's probably a terrible way of saying that since he's about to go to the cross, but yeah. he's really been wanting to have this meal. Yeah. He's, he's been, been desiring to have this and he knows Judas is going to betray him, but yet he seats him right next to him. Yeah. And then even as they get up, he sends Judas off and they're walking out to the garden. He's telling them, you all are going to abandon me. You're going to leave me. And Peter's, of course, going, no, not, not me. And he goes, no, as a matter of fact, you're going to deny me three times <laughs> before the, the crow, yeah. uh, crows in the morning or the rooster crows. And then he invites all these guys that he knows are going to abandon him. And Peter in particular, that he knows is going to deny him to come with him deeper into the garden to be with him during his, his greatest yeah. moment of challenge. And so Jesus knows the betrayal is coming, but he doesn't he doesn't close his heart off to the right. very ones that are going yeah. to betray him. And, and that's our example. That's a it's a challenging example, but that's our example. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, betrayal comes with leadership. It just does. And, yeah. and you can know that. Uh, you can go through that Bible study and go through that, mm-hmm. that class in Bible college. But when it happens to you, it just blindsides you. Yeah. And you, you have to come to a place where you realize if you're going to deal with people and if you're going to open your heart up the way that you need to as a leader, you're running a risk. You're mm-hmm. running a risk of betrayal. And it's not a question of if, it's a question of That's when, right. when it happens. And you can't control it. The only thing you can control is your own heart when it does happen. That's right. And you know we've all dealt with pastors at different mm-hmm. phases of life and ministry. I think one of the saddest things to see in uh, a pastor who has been betrayed is you can see the scars, and you can almost it's like rings on a tree, right? Where you can measure the age of a tree. You can almost date back to where their heart got bitter. That's right. Connected to a betrayal that's as good. That's right. And when it happens, it like stunts <clears throat> their progress and their maturity in Christ and and in the growth of the church. And you know, I think over the years I've gone through some betrayal myself. And uh I, I'm, I'm profoundly impacted by the grace of God that has met me in those moments. And you have a choice. It's yeah. like you can either become angry and bitter, you can isolate yourself, cut people off, or you can join with Jesus in the fellowship of his sufferings. That's, yeah, right. that's right. And know that in that moment, just like you said, I mean, that's so, that's so incredible, right? That Jesus knew that that was coming, and he knew who it was that would betray him the whole time for three and a half years. Right. He knew, but it was necessary and he still loved him, right? And uh, that that's challenging, and it's also I think it gives us a lot of hope that mm-hmm. if it happens to Jesus, it's going to happen to us. Well, there's avoidable betrayal, and then there's unavoidable betrayal, right? And yeah. you, you just people are people, and so I had a, a guy that um, I hired. Uh, he was an evangelist, and he had come into the church several times, and he and his wife wanted to, um, and we did a we did a. Uh, show on fear, a mm-hmm. uh, podcast on fear. So they were going to come into Amarillo to start a church. And and so one of my staff people said, well, listen, what if we just hired him here? And I thought, well, you know, we, we could use him and, you know, that way he wouldn't start a church. And I wasn't really fearful of him starting a church that much, but I just thought, you know, yeah, we can hire him or whatever. So we hired him, kind of, you know, picked him up and gave him a place. And he was on staff for maybe three or four years and didn't really do a great job. But when he, le- he left and he told me, walked into my office and said, I'm going down the street to start a church. Well, the only reason he was in our church was to develop relationships with people he could leave. Well, when he left, the, w- the way that he left was um, telling as many lies about me and the church leadership. I mean, li- literally, he was creating a scandal that didn't exist, saying you can't, you can't imagine what's going on behind the scenes at this mm-hmm. church. The church was doing great. Wow. The church was healthy as it could be. Wow. But that's the way he started his church. Well, his his church, about half a mile from the church. And and I haven't talked to him in many years and, and don't know that much about him. But but I remember the way I felt, and that is, I would help you. You know, if right. you came to me and said, you know, well, I really have a heart to start a church. And one of the things that I said to him when he was sitting there talking to me, I said, well, could you at least find an area that's geographically unique? rather than doing it right in our neighborhood. He said, no, I want to do it right here. And so the, the way that he left, I remember thinking, I did so much for him. We were, mm-hmm. went out to eat with him, had him in our home, yeah. really befriended him, <clears throat> and uh, gave him a place, you know, a good job in a, in a good church. And he left, and it wasn't just him leaving, because that, that, people leave. 
it was the sense of disrespect, the lying, the way that he did it. And, and so, but, but <clears throat> I forgave him, mm -hmm. you know, I, uh, you were talking about befriending and we saw him out in public. We were playing golf one day about a month or two after he left and he was doing all this stuff. And he was standing in the clubhouse and I said, are you, are you playing golf with anybody? He said, no, I said, you can play with us. And so he, he came out and played with us. When, when we walked out and the other two guys <laughs> I were with were on staff and they, <laughs> looked him like, what did you, what did you do? <laughs> but you know, God loves him. And, sure. um, you know, I think that there's a price that you pay when you start a church wrong. Right. Yeah, for when, sure. When you start a ministry out of intrigue, yeah. uh, when you, when you do it out of ambition, especially out of disrespect mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But, but I remember the, the way I, I said this one day, the people I've helped the most have betrayed me the most. You know, that, that's the way I felt. Yeah. It was like Jesus and Judas. Right. The people I've helped the most are the people who betrayed me the most. And, and in those moments, now Jimmy has walked with me through my major betrayals yeah. in life. But, um, but the way that you deal with that, and the first thing, and what, what I have, one of the things I've written on my notes here is who to turn to and not who to turn to for help when you're betrayed, but you need, you need to get help. You, you need to go outside of yourself. That's right. You don't like you said, Lee. Don't let us sit there and fester. That's right. Because it'll the it the way that we deal with betrayal will define the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And the rest of our ministries. And you can see, and I know I know pastors, bitter, hard, mm -hmm. uh, that they got betrayed and they just hardened up, yep. you know. And now they don't trust anyone. No one's going to hurt them again. See the thing: no one's going to hurt them again. But the other part of it, no one's ever going to close to them again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they've isolated themselves over here, and I don't want to live my life that way. Right. Well, the, 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 you know, betrayal is coming and, and how we respond to it is, is critical. And of course, you know, my stories as well, but what we don't realize is, is I think betrayal is actually a test. And if we pass that, our, our promotion to the next thing that God has is dependent upon how we pass that test. That's right. That's right. And I, I don't think God sets us up to be betrayed. I don't think that's who God is, but when betrayal happens, how we respond to it sets us up to the next, the next step. And I remember, you know, I was a non-staff elder, so I was working in the business world. And, you know, you, you talk about me taking over for you, but what we don't often talk about is the two failed transitions between, <laughs> between us. Well, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but the first one of those, so I'm a, I'm a non-staff elder, and, and we have a, a pastor that was a senior pastor that was trying to be, be your replacement. And this is kind of the, you know, the big moment where we're at an elders retreat. And he accuses me yeah. of, uh, of sin, really, and in front of all the elders. And I didn't know it was coming. It was a false accusation. It was, you know, a whole thing. But it, it, it felt like this incredible betrayal. I mean, here's this church that yeah. I've been fighting for, these people that I've been, you know, pouring my life out. And, and now this is what happens. I, I get attacked. And so Kim and I are, were walking through that. And what ended up happening that day is, of course, he attacks me uh, and one other elder uh, and our wives. And in that process... The whole conversation shifts and kind of he gets exposed for who he really is. And it ultimately it leads to him being right. removed as the senior pastor. Yeah. Um, so the the whole shift turned to where he gets removed as senior pastor. And, you know, we're just sitting there thinking, what just happened? I just got I got hit by a bus and, you know, and the bus kept moving. <laughs> and I, I remember somebody gave us a book. I wish I could remember who it was, but it was by Gene Edwards, Prisoner in the Third Cell. Yeah. And yeah. it was so powerful, so powerful. And. In it, what, what Edwards talked about, the prisoner, of course, is John the Baptist. And you guys know the story. Mm -hmm. You know, John the Baptist is thrown in prison by Herod. And he's kind of been there a while, and he can kind of see where the end's coming. And so he sends his disciples 
to Jesus and asked Jesus, you know, teacher, is, are you the Messiah? And now, of course, we know John the Baptist knew that Jesus was the Messiah. I mean, he was the forerunner. So he's really not asking. He's saying, hey, cousin, yeah. if you're going to be the Messiah, now would be a great yeah. time to step into that and get me out of jail. That yeah. would be really handy. And Jesus just goes on and performs miracles. And he turns to John's disciples and go, I want you to go back and tell them the lame or walk, lame the, walk the blind, blind see, the deaf hear. Yeah. And then he said, and blessed is he who's not offended on account of me. Yeah. And so Jesus goes through the Isaiah prophecies of the Messiah. But the one he leaves out, Isaiah says, and the prisoners will be set free. Yeah. Jesus replaces that with blessed is he who's not offended <laughs> on account of me. And when we read that, we just realized, oh, my gosh, I've got a choice. It's not about being offended with this guy who's betrayed yeah. us. Yeah. It's about I'm really not mad at him. I'm really mad at him. I'm, I'm really mad at Jesus for allowing this to happen. How could you let this happen to me when all I was trying to do was advance your kingdom? Yeah. And so that that's where that bitterness comes in because we got to forgive the person, but then we also got to not pick up the offense. We, we got to go through that test of I'm not going to be offended by Jesus. If he wants me to lose my head in prison, he's Jesus and he gets to be Lord. And that's a step we all have to take yeah. to the next level. I wouldn't be the senior pastor of Trinity Fellowship Church if I hadn't gone through that. That's test. right. Yeah. You know, Daniel, um, when, <clears throat> you know, he gets trapped and all of the, you know, the wise men and all that make the rule or, or get the uh, the uh, king to make the rule that you can't bow down to any other God. He goes back and prays. He, he was betrayed, betrayed by everybody to set him yeah. up. But it was that very setup and him passing that test that got the next exactly promotion. Right. So we got We got to press through those. Yeah, things. it's so good. That idea of of that being a test. Almost every single pastor that I know, including myself, one of my top values is loyalty. Yeah. And I think because of that, betrayal is almost like the cardinal sin That's right. against a leader. That's right. It's because I'll forgive a lot of things. I'm extremely merciful. I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. But disloyalty just and, and that betrayal aspect of it just hurts worse than almost anything mm -hmm. yeah. because you so value loyalty. And that's the thing that gets shut down really quick in a leader's heart. If somebody uh, if somebody betrays them, it's like you, you want to protect yourself from disloyalty. So now you begin to distrust everybody. Right. You know, uh, I, I joke about this. I, I've not gone through a succession story like you guys have, but I was a church planter from the very beginning. And so about five years in was the first time I quit. You know, I've, I've <laughs> quit time. about 12 times <laughs> yeah. and uh, Jane has hired me back every single time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the first time we were about 300 people. And uh, we had just gotten into a building. We were about uh, 400 people. And the, my first hire was a guy who had helped me start the church. He was my first hire. As soon as he got the title pastor, everything changed. Mm -hmm. He started sitting in my office when I wasn't there, started having meetings with people. We went through two or three years of conflict where we would have meetings, bring the other board members in. He would apologize, but he would still do it. And it just kept going and going and going. And ultimately, you know, I had to let him go. And and as soon as I let him go, thank God it was not the Facebook days. I mean, we had, you know, this yeah. is 2000. We had a listing. We had a little, remember those uh, Olin Mills photo uh, oh, albums yeah. of yeah, the yeah, church yeah. where he had everybody's picture, terrible pictures, by the way. <laughs> so we had that. And as soon as I let him go, he cried in the meeting, acknowledged that he was wrong, was so sorry. And he left. But that afternoon, he started calling every oh, family man. in the church one by oh, one. Yeah. And so back then, we used to have Wednesday night services. And so I, I, I fired him on a Tuesday. I had one of my overseers there with me on Wednesday night to announce it. And there was a group of people 
that were loyal to him that came to Wednesday night, and when we made the announcement, they all made a point of standing up and walking out together. Mm. I lost one third of the church. Oh my! Just like one third of the stars. You know, when yeah. Satan mm-hmm. fell, there was a, th- a third of the angels that fell. Well, in this particular case, it was a third of our, our church le- left. And on their way out, they made a big stink about it. All kinds of rumors were spread about me, and uh, it, it was the hardest thing I had ever gone through. And I remember, I remember the moment I walked out to my car that night, and I for the first time thought to myself, I'm not cut out for this, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Because if I was good enough, this wouldn't have happened to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. And uh, back then, a, a man that I respect that was like a pastor to me, uh, spoke to me and he said, if it happened to Moses, if it happened to Jesus, if it happened to God the Father, don't be surprised that it happened to you, That's you're right, in good you're company. Right. Exactly and that right. so encouraged me. It was the only thing that kept me in the game. Yeah. Uh, because it was just such a huge wound and I think so many pastors have experienced that. I don't I honestly don't. I don't think I've met a pastor that's doing anything that hasn't that's experienced right. this to some degree. I don't think there's any, because you know people are people and the devil is the devil. Well, so let's talk about avoidable and unavoidable mm-hmm. uh, betrayal. In so let, let's go back to this guy that Jimmy's talking about. I was uh, and of course the I'm, I'm the president and founder of Exo Marriage. We're sitting right now in the Exo Marriage studio uh, recording this. And so um, uh, back then it was called Marriage Today. But mm-hmm. Marriage Today was birthed out of Trinity Fellowship. Lord gave me a vision in 1993 uh, for this ministry. And so uh, the, the church at that time was probably around 4,000, 5,000 people. Uh, and the church was growing and Marriage Day was growing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so as they both grew, it was just a tremendous amount of pressure on me. Mm-hmm. So around the year, what year did you begin as senior pastor, Trinity? Senior pastor was 2016. 2016. So, you, so this is probably going back to 2004, 2005, the it first was two, transition. Uh, first transition started in 2003, ended in 2006. Okay. So, this, so I was under tremendous pressure. And that we had a very gifted pastor mm-hmm. on our staff that was a great speaker, great leader, he had some issues, but it, you know, and, and I was dealing with him, but he was very honest about him, very submitted. And we had a hundred conversations, and I just said, I'm, a, I'm still going to be here. I'm not leaving, but I need somebody to step in and lead and, uh, and preach and all that stuff. And I'll still be here. I'm still going to be an elder. I'll be overseeing you. Um, but I want you to take the responsibilities of senior pastor. I'm like, great, 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 great. So we had every conversation you could possibly have, brought him into the eldership, had every, you know. So the, the day, and I told him, I said, now when, cause he, one, he had a lot of damage from his past. Yeah. And, and I said, now when, when you get into the chair, uh, you've got to hear, you've got to listen to my voice because you're going to have a lot of fear. Uh, you're going to have all kinds of emotions and you're going to have a lot of voices talking to you. My voice is the voice you're going to listen to when it comes down to it. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the first day he um, became senior pastor, he changed the lock on my office door. <laughs> that, that was a little you, slack. Do you know it's, the level of courage it takes to change the locks on Jimmy Evans' door? Well, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. You, I mean, you, you it, you, he was there. You can't make it up. So then the, uh, shortly thereafter, he said to me, you're not the only voice I listen to. I've got other voices I listen to. And it was just it was like a little three-year-old. Oh, you know, yeah. Talking about and I said, fine. Scared me. So I called the, I had an oversight group of elders. Jimmy was one of them. And I called him and I said, You oversee him. Well, that, that's, where, that's where his trouble came from. 
So they started, of course, they were very loyal to me. And so they started overseeing him, uh, and that's when the news started tightening on him. Well, when they started tightening the news, that's when he just mm-hmm. started going crazy. And um, and I was still there. I mean, I, I, of course, the, the thing I would say about that period of time, it gave me some relief mentally, physically, not having to preach every weekend, being able to pay attention to Mary, because Mary's day was like having a sick child. I had to give attention to it or it was gonna <laughs> die. And so the church grew during mm-hmm. that period. The church, the, 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 the people in the congregation, everybody that was fine. Behind the scenes, he was, he was brutal. He was firing people, uh, just really cruel to people. Um, so we fired him. It, it came down to the fact that, that we fired him. And um, then we had number two. Mm-hmm. So after him, we had an elder who had been at the church for a long time, long time. very close friends with all of us, a close friend of mine. And we raised him up, did the same thing, put him in the chair, let him preach, let him lead. I'm still there. I'm still overseeing him. And um, he did exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, both of them, one of the first things they did was cut the support of marriage today. And uh, Are so- Are you kidding me? No, Mm-mm. I'm, I'm to you, you so, so the same thing happened the second time. And he changed the locks too? No, Worse. no. But he, huh? Worse. Yeah. He told me where to sit when I came to church and where to park when I came to church. <laughs> and, and, and told you you couldn't come on campus without an escort. That's right. So um, I said what to him, now, now we had all the same conversations. What in the world? We, we, had, we had all the same conversations as with the first guy. <laughs> I said, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. I'm still going to be here. I'm going to be overseeing you. This, this. So he, uh, the, day, the day I announced him, he got mad at me. Started accusing me of a bunch of stuff. Uh, didn't want me overseeing him and all that stuff. I said, "Fine, I'll let the." So this is this is the second chorus. So then I turned him over to the elders. Same thing happened, and they ended up firing him. And so um, I so I'm talking about avoidable betrayal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what mistake did I make? Um, overlooking character problems because they both had them. There, there were character issues in both of those guys. Very, very talented guys, very mm-hmm. intelligent guys, but they both had issues with character. And, and here's, here's what I would say. I'm very good at seeing the gifting in other people, but my flaw was ignoring the character. Mm-hmm. Paul mm-hmm. said, uh, get faithful men. You know, right. Appoint faithful men. He didn't say talented. Mm-hmm. He didn't say rich. He didn't say successful. He didn't say charming. He didn't say popular. He said faithful. And so the, um, the Jimmy Jimmy has now come in since 2016, treats me unbelievably well, does a fantastic job leading the church. Jimmy didn't have any of the character issues. He, he was a faithful person to the church already, um, but he but has good character, gifted, but good character. The, the avoidable betrayal is when you put a person in a position of trust around you when they don't deserve it hmm. because of their character. See, for example, the first guy that I put in there, he, he just didn't have the character for it. He, hmm. he, it was my mistake. I thought, you know, we, it, it was, I thought we could, uh, you know, uh, heal him in the process of leading. But it was the second guy that I put in, he had, he had issues. And they manifest themselves in different ways, but very, very uh, offendable. Uh, very, uh, he just, um, he had father issues mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So 
my my uh, repentance to the Lord in both those situations was I there were warning flags that I ignored that yeah I was going to say the exact same thing yeah it's the uh, and and even in the process ignoring the 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 little yellow flags along the way yeah you know because a lot of times I, I think we do this as leaders because we're gracious people we want to yeah. be gracious yeah. and and we want to be gracious with people around us and so we find ourselves especially in the case of, of where you were i mean I, I think you even described it as you're you're trying to lead two team of oxen and they're going in different That's directions exactly and they're pulling right. you apart if i remember, remember right yeah. And uh, so when, when, when you're stressed, when, when we've just got, and got a workload and got a lot going on and we put somebody into a leadership position, whether it's a senior leadership position or really any, you know, even down to a volunteer leader, and we start seeing little yellow flags and we make excuses for them. That's right. You know, and, and, and right. we're making excuses for them partly because I, I'm, I don't want to deal with this right now. Yeah. I, I've, got, yeah. I've got other stuff I've got to deal with, so I want to make excuses. And we don't realize that all of these things are accumulating and they're, right. and they're building behind this almost like a dam and the dam is going to break yeah. and things that can be dealt with back here way easier than they can be dealt with. That's here. right. But before you've put all that responsibility and trust on them, right? Like that, there, there were so many flags that I ignored thinking it's, it's like, you know, seeing all the problems in your, your girlfriend or boyfriend or fiance thinking, well, after the wedding, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Marriage is going to solve all these problems. <laughs> yeah. It's a big magnifying glass. <laughs> so the, the unavoidable betrayal is something that God calls you to, or a mm -hmm. person that God calls you to, you don't make mistakes and then they betray you. Mm -hmm. And the latest thing that you've walked me through is the Lord spoke to me one morning um, and said, I want you to go help this person. And I told Karen when she walked in the room, she, she walked in my office that morning, and I said, let me tell you what the Lord spoke to me this morning. And I told her, and she said, how would that ever happen? Because it sounded so ridiculous. Right. Well, two weeks later, this person asked me to help them. Mm -hmm. to, and so I said, I said, well, the Lord already spoke to me that I'm supposed to help you, so I'll help you. So I helped him for a couple of years and uh, invested myself, did everything, you know, to the best of my ability. And after two years, he betrayed me. Mm -hmm. And it, it was him and his buddy. And the uh, and again, the one of the things that I have done is I, when when I forgive a person, I bless them. Jesus said in Luke six twenty eight, mm -hmm. "Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you." The most important thing you do to protect your heart is to bless, mm -hmm. not just to forgive. Because people will say, Jimmy, I've forgiven him a thousand times. Nothing changes. It won't tell you bless him. Mm -hmm. Because the blessing, the blessing forces forgiveness from your head to your heart. And if you can't bless him, you haven't forgiven him. Mm -hmm. And so the, all these people were talking about every morning when all these things were happening, Lord, I bless him. I forgive him. I pray for their marriage. I pray for their family. I did every single day to make sure that my heart was that I didn't get bitter, because in all these cases now, but but in the in this third one I'm talking about, it was uh, unprovoked. Mm -hmm. it, it was not betrayal because of anything I did. Yeah, uh, it was betrayal because of what they did. And I and I woke up one day and I and, and the Lord never apologizes. You know, He never <laughs> says, "Jimmy, you're right." And so I woke up one morning. I was praying, and basically. What I was thinking was, why would you lead me into a situation like mm -hmm. that? You spoke to me and told me to go there. Now, why would you lead me into a situation where I was going to be betrayed? And the Lord was just like, mm -hmm. 
That's that prisoner in the third cell. That's right. I mean, that's the blessed is he who's not offended on account of me. Yeah. And and the the important part of that phrase is blessed. There's a there's a blessing when we don't get offended in that's that right. such circumstance. That's right. Yeah. But it's it's not easy. It's not a fun well, journey and it's not easy. Part of the blessing is continuing in ministry uh, and being able to have God's blessing and not uh, being consumed by bitterness. Right. Because I, I would, I would, in all yep. the situations mm-hmm. that we've talked about, it could have been the end. Yeah. Sure. If I would have become bitter, uh, if I would have become bitter in one of those first two situations, I'd have come back in, taken over the church, mm-hmm. and killed everybody there. Yeah. Look, looked at me sideways. <laughs> Purge. <laughs> but it's it keeps your heart pure. And the other thing about this, the, the, those kinds of situations. Now, the first guy we're talking about came back and repented, mm-hmm. and he, uh, we fired him. Uh, and, and, and when we fired him, in the meeting where we fired him, he was begging for help. Mm-hmm. And we gave him help. That's right. And it, it, for the sake of the kingdom, I wanted, to, I wanted to punch him in the nose at that point because he was such a knucklehead. And, and so we said, for the sake of – let's don't send him down the road right. like this. Right. So we paid a lot of money, sent him to counseling and his wife. Um, and and help, he helped plant another church. And, help, help him plant another church. Yeah. Uh, and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And but he repented and he came back mm-hmm. and said I was wrong. Uh, he told me he said you know I love you when I'm with you and when I'm not I hate your guts. <laughs> and it's just demonic. Right. Yeah. But he got up in the pulpit and repented mm-hmm. uh, and told everybody you know I have, I have fear uh, and that's good. The the second guy that we're talking about. Uh, didn't repent publicly, but he's made yeah. kind of repaired, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And in uh, the third situation hasn't hasn't resolved, but I do pray it will resolve. Mm-hmm. But I've been I've been through betrayal that you know when you marry a prostitute, don't be surprised when she cheats. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. When you when you allow a person close into your life, yeah, that you know has character problems, you know that was avoidable. Well, the hardest thing. When you are in the process of betrayal, whether it's from above or somebody, you know, that you're leading is when that when that betrayal happens, it's it's to not defend yourself. Right. Yeah. You know, because you look at the story of David, David was in the right. I mean, David was pure hearted. Mm-hmm. Saul, Saul wanted to take him out. Saul was intimidated. Saul was yeah. fearful. Saul was insecure. David was pure hearted in it. And I've always looked at that. I think it was you years ago when I was going through a, a situation. You just you warned me. You said, "Whatever you do, don't defend yourself because if you defend mm-hmm. yourself, God won't. Yeah. God doesn't have an obligation to defend you if you choose to defend yeah. yourself." And you know when the rumors are going around. Yeah. And I know you know this. I know we all know this. You know, the, the, if if we were half as bad as some of the stories <laughs> were, I'm, I mean, good Lord, Jesus oh, yeah. would take us out Himself. Right. But when those stories circulate, the hardest thing is to back up That's and keep right. your heart right, and then choose not to defend yourself, and trust that God's going to be faithful to that. Well, you know, and you get up in the pulpit or something, and you start talking about it. Mm. What what I say is, don't give the devil a microphone. That's right. Yeah. If if you begin, if if you have problems and you take it to the up in front of the, the people, come to church on Sunday to get fed and to get blessed, not to get informed of problems. That's yeah. right. You know, yeah. and that there's something major, major that's different. But I say, don't give the devil a microphone because if you do, he'll he'll try to keep it. But um, let's talk about governmental betrayal, um, being betrayed by an elder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got a person, and I and Jimmy and I both have gone through this. But you have a person in leadership that betrays you, 
and the the question is uh, how do you deal with that um, how do you deal with that governmentally yeah you want to no this is you <laughs> oh, thanks <laughs> well you know hopefully we have a healthy government to begin with right. so I, I think the foundation to deal with this is we have to always be working on healthy government and I mean, you are the master of this. So, I mean, you've you and the groundwork you guys laid at Trinity and, and what you do for other churches is unbelievable because it, it creates a healthy when you have a healthy government, a healthy government can deal with That's right. problems. A healthy That's right. government can deal with implosions. A healthy government doesn't eliminate problems. It just means you can deal with them. That's right. And and what a lot of times we do, as I think and, and we see this in churches all the time. I know you do, too, Lee, is the. Pastors don't really like dealing with elders a lot of times mm -hmm. because it's not easy. And so what they do is they kind of treat it, their elderships very lightly and just kind of do the obligatory thing. And then when a problem comes, you don't have a foundation to deal with. Right. And, it's, and it's now a catastrophe. So I would, my first encouragement would be do everything you can, be very proactive and, and work on having a healthy government so that when problems come, you can deal with it. Right. And then I'm, I'm thinking of a, of a specific situation, you know, right, right when I became, I don't even think I was senior pastor yet. I think this was in that in between when you and I were doing the transition, I was lead pastor. We had an elder uh, who came into my office and, and we had a, you know, talking about, you know, betrayal. We, we had a, another church leader in the kingdom. I won't name them, but they'd written a book about, yeah. you know, bad grace. And, and yeah. we were listed. Trinity Fellowship was listed as one of the bad churches for grace in this book. <laughs> and uh, and this elder read it and was upset and was concerned where we were going. And so he came in and was sitting across from me and had another pastor. Pastor Bo was sitting there with me, the three of us. And he was like, I, I just need to know where we're going. I need to know what we're doing with grace. And I need to know what you believe. And I said, hey, I'm a brand new pastor. I, I believe what Pastor Bo tells me and Pastor Jimmy tell me to believe. I, I don't even know what I believe yet. <laughs> and so we went to all this effort. We created a special subcommittee to go over our bylaws to make sure that we updated it. We appointed him to that group. He was a part of it. Then we get into the big elders meeting where we're approving the bylaws. He voted to approve them and then came back and said, well, now I don't actually agree with what I just voted on. And, uh, and so by having a healthy eldership though and bringing it in his being out of bounds was now obvious to everybody else yeah and uh and so we ended up having to to vote him out as an elder one of the very few elders we ever had to do that with but because the government was healthy even this guy's best friend yeah sat there and said i love him he's my best friend we have breakfast every saturday um he's wrong he's, and, yeah. and he, he told him he said the unity of the eldership is too important uh, for you to come in and, and mess it up. Right. And so he, he, he voted to remove his best friend mm. from the eldership. But the, the, thing, the thing about government, and I want to say all the pastors that are watching, especially senior pastors, Trinity Fellowship Association of Churches, Radiant Network, you're looking at pastors here, very successful pastors who have very wonderful church networks that come alongside churches. So yep. when, when you're going through betrayal, when you're going through you know trauma with your church, the worst thing on earth is to go through it alone. That's right. Now, there are some good That's denominations so out there, but I have several churches that I'm close to, some that I'm on their board, and they haven't had a representative of a denomination in their church in 25 years, mm -hmm. literally. Yeah. And so it's just a, it's just a uh, you know financial tie mm -hmm, yeah. um, but there's no relationship there when we say church network we're talking about relationship and you both have guys on your staff mm -hmm. that that's all they do is church networks so when you're going through something don't go through it yeah. alone contact how, how can they contact 
TFAC? Yeah, TFAC uh, dot uh, org. TFAC dot org. And Radiant. And Radiant dot network. Yeah. yeah. Con- contact these guys. Become a part of these networks. They have roundtables for pastors. They have all kinds of help and encouragement and events uh, that, that, that connect you relationally and give you the tools for your church to, to thrive. But one of the things that when, when I first became pastor of Trinity, we were isolated. Mm-hmm. We were, to- we were a you know, yeah. brand new interdenominational church. We didn't have a network or a denomination that we belonged to, and we were totally isolated. And one of the best things I ever did was develop relationships with, with other churches that were healthy, and that was that was our lifeline, mm-hmm. yeah. it really is. So in, in those times that you're going through betrayal and you're going through trauma, that's the time that you need to have a phone number that you can call and say, hey, or Jezebel, you know, you have, mm-hmm. you have so a, true. Some, a man or a woman, Jezebel can be a man or a woman, but you have some, you know, they call them well-intentioned dragons <laughs> in your church <laughs> that are after you, you know, and, and sometimes it's debilitating. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a, we had a, a couple in our church that came after me and you know i our our home is so full of peace we've always had our home is full of peace uh there was something evil in our home Mm -hmm. and it was it was literally an evil spirit emanated from them this couple and um they they almost took me out i mean you know you know what it says that that elijah wanted to die Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know after dealing with jezebel that's the way i felt i i didn't i literally asked the lord to take my life Mm. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to take my life, but I pray that you'll take my life and yeah. take me out. And we had to we had to deal with that situation. But and I didn't have anybody to call. Mm-hmm. I was a young pastor, so you need to you need to connect to somebody. What are your final thoughts, uh, Jimmy and Lee? What are your final thoughts on betrayal? Well, the the most important thing I think is to to make sure, like Jesus, that we you know, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. You know, I mean, Jesus's example to us is we must forgive. We must get rid of bitterness. And if th- that is the ultimate test for each one of us is we've, we've got to get through those times when they yeah. come. Yeah. And I would just say to be reminded that we're all capable of betrayal. Yeah. Mm. And t- most people who are betraying you are doing it not because they think what they're doing is wrong. They're fully convinced yeah. they're deceived in many cases, yeah. but they've also got their own fears and their own insecurities and justifications that's driving that. And so, you know, that forgiving them and also as a leader making sure that you keep your heart right you know jude talks about praying in the spirit but it says keep yourself in the love of god it's our responsibility to keep our heart right and keep our heart in the love of god and not allow our love to grow cold and that's not just love love for god it's love for people yeah Uh, don't allow your lens to get tainted and become distrustful of people uh, to think everybody's going to betray you because then you'll fail to delegate and mm-hmm. you'll your world will shrink and you'll become very isolated. Yeah. Uh, it's important to test people. It's important to recognize those faults when they're there to have a, accountability in a process. But at the end of the day, you, there is no insurance to protect you yeah. from being betrayed. Yeah. You have to put your heart out there. That's exactly right. Well. Forgiveness doesn't make them right; it just makes us free, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's it's the most self-loving thing that we can do, and it's just going to happen. It, it's just you're you're going to have some betrayal, but there is the preventable betrayal, and be wise. You know, don't ignore the danger signals. Don't put rich people around you, and and talented people around you, and beautiful people around you. Put faithful people. That's right. Around you, the higher a person ascends, the more they have to prove their faithfulness and their character. 
And when you do when you do that, you'll minimize betrayal, but you won't eliminate it. You, you still have some betrayal. But like we're talking about here, you deal with it in a healthy way. You keep your heart pure. Now, next month, we're talking about marriage and family issues, the, the, the stresses that leadership puts on our marriages and our families and dealing with the problems. And I mean, I, I dealt the first years of the ministry. I dealt with every stress related to marriage and family you can think of. So we're going to be talking about that, a very candid conversation about that. And let me just say we have uh, BuiltForWar.com. Our website that's a it's a subscription website uh, that has my content on there we have weekly articles we have the monthly podcast you get the full podcast the, our podcast here fifteen dollars a month we'd love for you to be a, a partner there uh, on builtforwar.com we also have our xl leadership forums regularly through the year and that is myself uh, lee jimmy also john chastain all of us pastors all of us uh, you know, uh, veteran pastors, and we want to teach you about church. We want to teach you about leadership. And so go on xlleadershipforum.com, and you can get more information there on the next one that's coming up. And these, there's not very big now. We have about 90 people that come to these. They're very intimate, and they're also very interactive. It's not just listening to speakers for two or three days. It's being able to ask questions and interact a lot. We'll know each other by the time you leave. And so we'd love to have you be a part of one of our XL Leadership Forums. So go on xlleadershipforum.com and also builtforwar.com. Thank you for joining us today. Jimmy Lee, thank you guys. Thank for you. Being here. We'll see you next time. God bless you.